0: Yes, sir. Welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland. It is Thursday, February 25th, the year 2021, and Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. I'm your host, Brad Ward. Mikey is on the ones and twos. Tonight is another edition of Free Agency Files for you tonight. Uh, This began with a jump into uh, Carl Joseph's Free Agency and really became a look at the entire safety room, as it's uh, a, a lot more complex than just Carl Joseph, and and we're going to take a look at that tonight. Uh, not long, you know, maybe fifteen minutes or so here, uh, and uh, take a look at at what I think that the Browns can do or need to do to be competitive, to be uh, competitors. Pardon me. Um, legitimate competitors if with their defense and and the safety room is a bit of a problem more than maybe we even realize uh let's dive right into this i wrote an article this morning at uh or last night and it was published this morning at uh where i write at uh com usa today sports media group um on carl joseph's free agency and we're going to take a look at that here um and uh just uh, take a peek at what, I don't know what that is there, but we're going to take a peek at uh, that article and um, what potentially here uh, the Browns can do to upgrade that room, because it's certainly something that they need to do, and you'll see what I'm talking about more as we dive in here. Let's go ahead and do this. So this is something that I dove into today with the article on Carl Joseph, Uh, and it's this whole thing started with Andrew Barry last offseason, and his first offseason is GM of the Browns, Um, and he was aggressive on the offensive side of the ball, as we know, Uh, but signed seven one-year deals um, in 2020, and one of them was Carl Joseph. It was actually one of the deals that I was uh, somewhat excited about um, him him getting to and uh, you know uh, here you get the welcome uh, Joseph give us gives us a hard hitter and experience at safety now Joseph was signed to a one-year deal or 2.5 million dollars in hopes that he would fit in fit in as one of the brown starters at safety he was sidelined during camp. Uh, He had off-season foot surgery, but was ready to go when week one came around. Um, He injured his hamstring in week three, uh, played anyways in week four, but then missed three of the next uh, six games, as you see here, uh, and was on the field for just 36 snaps during that span. So missed a good portion of football there. He played his best football when positioned up in the box. As we know, he had 54 tackles on the season despite coming up with some key plays during the Browns' uh, run to the AFC Divisional Round. Um, he was inconsistent at best in coverage. He finished his season with a career-low pro, P, pro football focus, or PFF grade, of 54.7. So if we look at this a little bit closer here, here's the statistics. He played in 14 games. Um And uh, you see he took 61% of the snaps, 67 uh, tackles, 46 solo, one interception. Um, And uh, a look at his PFF grades here. Now, this is where it gets kind of different. Now, one thing you have to realize about Carl Joseph is that he was the 14th overall pick in the draft in 2016 to the Raiders. So when the Raiders took him, they thought he was going to be a stud, right? Absolute stud. And he came in and did okay. It actually pre- graded out pretty well, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Um, the problem when you dig into it a little bit deeper is right here, this coverage grade. So he he plays up in the box very well. He's 27 years old. 5'10", 205, went to West Virginia. You you can't see it over here, but it does say first-round pick, 14th overall. Um, Browns wanted him to be a starter. His lowest grade, as you see here in 2020, 54.7, is a a poor grade. Uh, He missed a considerable amount of time in the middle of the season. Now, it's kind of hard for people to grasp this totally because, One of the things you think of when you think of Carl Joseph is you think of him making some big plays, right? You think of him making uh, a big tackle here, an interception. He was big in their run into the playoffs. You know, he jumps on the fumble that goes over Roethlisberger's head, right? And uh, all that stuff. But in reality, he's very, very poor in coverage. And in today's NFL, if you can't cover, you're not... I don't really care how spectacular you are against the run or how aggressive he was against the run. His poor coverage is an is ultimate letdown for the Browns and what they they thought they were getting better, I would say, um, when they signed him to this deal or, or hoped that they were getting better uh, when they signed him. To this deal. So let's take a look here and we'll go jump back to this article real quick here. This is important. Uh, we'll get to that in a second here. But when you talk about his future with the Browns and just their look at the room as a whole here, it's important to look at the rest of the room with him. So before, you know, Grant Delpit. Jim Thorpe, award-winning safety, lost for the season to a torn Achilles tendon in the truncated uh, training camp. The Browns did improve their safety room when they traded for a fifth-round pick uh, to the Jaguars for Ronnie Harrison Jr., okay? So Ronnie Harrison Jr. is really the, the sole light or at the end of the tunnel here or the sole bright spot. But if you look at anything beyond Ronnie Harrison, it gets pretty ugly. If you look at Carl Joseph was ranked 75th out of 94 safeties, you see the grades here, the coverage grade 49.1. You keep going down the list. Now, only 94 safeties qualified here, right? At number eight, 88, Andrew Sandejo. Look at those grades. 41.6 coverage grade. Okay. Sheldrick Redwine, even worse at 90 out of 94 uh, eligible safeties, and another terrible coverage grade. Combined these three guys. So when you take a look at Joseph, Sendejo, and Redwine, and when you're looking at Joseph and Sendejo, that's a lot of starting snaps right there. Sindejo took 999 snaps for the Browns, which is terrifying, because he was so bad and so poor, and he almost took a 1,000 snaps for this team. Redwine took 331. Uh, you see Joseph took 781. And combined all those together, oh, about 2,000 snaps right there, that's the majority, you know, of your snaps at safety, uh, in your coverage grade between all three of them doesn't break fifty. Between Joseph Sendejo and Redwine, your coverage grade grade doesn't break fifty, and that's a problem. So you look at this room. I mean, it's actually kind of shocking that they were able to go out and win eleven games with their safety play and their coverage from their safeties, as poor as it was. I mean, it it really is kind of shocking. I mean, these are guys they they depended on. You see it here again, Redwine, 47.8 in coverage. Sendejo, 41.6 in coverage. Joseph, 49.1 in coverage. You see how good Ronnie Harrison was across the board. But, I mean, he only took 389 snaps. The rest of the snaps at safety were taken by these three guys generally. And, I mean, it's not like they were good elsewhere either. Their overall grades are poor, 41.5, 44.4, 54.7. All of these guys were bad. You see here a little uh, jump up here where you have um, Carl Joseph was good against the run. And we know that, and we talked about that. But that's not good enough. Him being good against the run wasn't good enough when you're talking about all these snaps taken, all of them but 389 taken by guys that can't get above a 50 grade in coverage. And, and that led me, when I started this article to going, man, this whole, whole room needs revamped, right? So let's talk about what we know about Joe Woods and what he wants to do going forward with this room. We know that the first-year defensive coordinator revealed early on his intentions to use three safeties, and this is a quote from him uh, prior to uh, the injury to Grant Delpit last offseason. I would like to transition into a dime system, but it is going to be something that is going to take time to get into, just because of getting their reps. Eventually, I would like to have a nickel package where we have two linebackers on the field, but also to create better matchups and be a little bit more diverse in our scheme, I would like to get to a dime package where we are putting an extra safety on the field. Three safeties. There, Three safeties is the trend of the NFL, right? Diversity. The ability to... Uh, guard tight ends in the pass game. The ability to line up better when when teams come at you with uh, variations and different looks and that, that safety uh, that can play the run and cover in the pass as a third safety on the field presents a lot of problems for offenses and, and alleviates huge matchup problems that offenses try to get defense into. They're gonna to try to stress defenses by doing that. But by putting that third safety on the field, teams in the NFL are having success doing that because it 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 helps your matchups all over the field. Especially if you can play against the run that way. So let's let's take a look at this. So obviously let's talk about what the Browns have here, okay? Obviously moving forward, the Browns have Ronnie Harrison who was the ninth best safety out of 94 eligible at PFF. Uh, good grades across the board. Great trade, fifth-round pick. We have Ronnie Harrison. We, he's a starting quality safety. He's versatile. He can cover. He can play the run. Uh, he can pass rush. He can do it all. He's a, he's a great pickup for the Browns. You have Grant Delpit, Jim Thorpe award winner. You spent your second-round pick on him. Looks to be like a stud. 6'3", 203 out of LSU. He's a dog, right? Torn Achilles puts a big question mark next to his name. But you would like to look at him as a starter, right? You would say he's a starter, uh, starting caliber, safety moving forward for the Browns. Other than that, you have Carl Joseph, you have Sendejo. And you have Red Wine who's still on his rookie deal. Sendejo and Joseph, we know is a free agent. Sendejo is also gone in free agency. Let's look at whether Joseph is gonna stick around or not. Now this is spot track and um this is inaccurate. Eight point two million dollars average annual salary is what they came up with and it had to do with age of guys and performance and you can see their kind of breakdown here. But I I know that, you know, they said after adjusting the above contracts, if you signed Joseph current at his current age twenty-seven, a linear regression is performed, providing us with the following initial value. A three-year deal worth twenty-seven twenty-six and a half million dollars at eight point two per year. Now uh, as I said in my article, and I'm saying now that's that's way high um, and inaccurate, and I don't know. I'm sure, though, that'll be adjusted. and But his actual market value, uh, we're looking at probably somewhere between the veteran's minimum and $2 million a year uh, for Carl Joseph. So do the Browns want to bring him back? Um, I don't hate Carl Joseph, I just know they need to get better. If Carl Joseph has a spot on this team, it's as a depth piece, right? If he wants to come back at the Vet Men or maybe a a million dollars or a 1.5 with an incentive in there um, to get him to like $2 million, and he's going to be your fourth or fifth safety on this team, I'm cool with that. But otherwise, if you're bringing him back to play one of those uh, top three roles, then no, I don't want to do that. And I don't think, and I wrote this in my article here, I do not think the Browns will likely bring him back. Um, You know, he would only provide depth And even that scenario, I think it's probably unlikely. Um, And we're going to get to how they fix this room. So ultimately, the approach then, if we look at Woods and his three safety approach, and we know that's his intention and what he wants to do, is the Browns need three starting caliber safeties. They do. And you can mark down Ronnie Harrison as one. I think you can look at Delpit as potentially being one, but you need another one, and And you look at it two different ways. A, he wants to play with three safeties on the field, Joe Woods does, so we need another starting caliber safety, and two, or B, Delpit is a little bit of a question mark, torn Achilles. We don't know what his availability is going to be, we don't know when exactly he's going to be back, but... Um, You know, he would probably, just in case, want to bring in another, the Browns are going to want to bring in another safety uh, that can start and is a high-level guy. They need to improve the back end of this defense badly, as you saw the coverage grades that I laid out for you. And that's probably a little bit surprising. I was shocked when you really, I mean, it shouldn't have been shocking, but when you really look at it as a whole – those, those coverage grades are appalling. It, it, it's a wonder how they won 11 games in a playoff game with these three guys taking the majority of the steps at safety. Um, so we know that likely everybody is gone except for Harrison and Delpit and, of course, Redwine. Now, Redwine's spot on this roster for me, and let me just be clear about this, I don't like him as a player. I think he plays timid. Um... And uh, he's was at times probably worse than Sendejo. At least Sendejo got in the right spots at times. Uh, both very reactionary, um, never anticipatory, and and I, I'm not real high on him. Uh, if he if he goes into camp or when they go into camp for the 2021 season. And I'm going to lay this out for you here as we go here. But he should be the um, sixth safety on the depth chart. And we'll show you why that that should work out as it is now. So we know we've got Harrison. We know we've got Delpit. We need another starting level safety. Let's take a look at the open free agent market. Okay. Um, You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. This is a free agency files fixing the safety room. Uh, Started as a Carl Joseph free agency deep dive, but it it became a whole fixing the room situation that we're getting into here tonight on All Eyes on Cleveland. So if you look at the best guys here at the top of the free agent class, uh, Justin Simmons, uh, he's going to, I think they're going to franchise tag him. He's a very good candidate for it. Anthony Harris, you are going to see linked to the Browns everywhere because of this, Minnesota, right, and the Browns head coach the link to Stefanski and some of his staff. Now, don't get me wrong. This guy's a dog. He is a very, very good player. The reason I did not list him in my article is because he took a major step back last year. Um, you see the grades here, 89-91, incredibly, he was the best, highest ranked safety in 2019 in the entire league by PFF, but took a a major step back to 38th, you see his grade go down to 66.2. Um, now, what's the reason for that? It could be explained, I mean, the Vikings defense as a whole took a step back, so that could be a part of it, but... Um, if they chose to go this route, I wouldn't be mad. He's obviously going to be a really good player and he's going to command, uh, in that 13 to $15 million. Dollar, he's going to be right there at the top of the free agent market, uh, for safeties. But yeah, I didn't enlist him because of the drop off. That scares me a little. You wonder why, right? You wonder why, but he, as it says here, he should be primed for a big deal. Um, I really like Marcus Williams. He's my top guy. He should be the Browns top target, in my opinion. Uh, he should range anywhere from 13 to 16 million dollars in free agency. This is a guy that, uh, is, as it says here, we'll read from this, uh, from, this is from Pro Football Focus. Williams has ranked near the top of the league in every significant category for safeties. He has a coverage grade that ranks in the 90th percentile. Coverage grade in the ninetieth percentile to go with the highest rate of forced incompletions. Williams is also solid uh, run defender with the skills to fit at, in a as a free safety in any scheme. Uh, a diverse guy that can do what the Browns want him to do. He can start. You don't have to rush Delpit back. You if you started with Marcus Williams. And Ronnie Harrison back there, that's a great duo to start with. And then bring Delpit along, and then you've got those three on the field uh, with one of them playing that Viper or hybrid role in the dime three safety look that Joe Woods wants to implement. That makes a lot of sense. This investment makes a lot of sense. You're improving the room a ton over last year by just acquiring the one player. And then you're also allowing yourself to run that dime three safety look that he wants to run. He did run it at the end of the year, uh, but he ran it with a combination of red wine harrison sandejo and at the very end a little bit of harrison joseph and either red wine or sandejo and it actually worked pretty well when they did it so you can imagine if they had a stud like williams in there now this is a significant deal here i don't know and we'll find out more i have um the uh Guy from Spot Track, the head guy at Spot Track coming on next week is going to be all about the salary cap and examining the salary cap in 2021 and how the lower cap is going to, we're going to get some serious answers, affect these deals. I don't know how it'll affect his deal. If you can get a guy like this on a shorter deal because you don't want to, he doesn't want to negotiate his, uh, long-term deal in a year where the cap is, uh, down at 180 to 185 million dollars, when it's going to go right back up when the TV deals hit in 2022. So, a lot of guys may take one-year deals. That's kind of something that has been hinted at. We'll we'll dive into that more next week. But the Browns are, are, are in position; they could offer him a long-term deal. They have enough money to do so, and Marcus Williams would be worth it. Some people are going to tout Marcus May. Uh, I, he's a good player, certainly wouldn't be mad at it. But the other guy that I really, really like is Joe Johnson the third, right? Uh, he's gonna, he's gonna command money probably in that 12 to $14 million range, uh, Johnson. And, and when you look at both these guys, both these teams, you know, the Saints can't afford to keep Marcus Williams, and, and I don't think that the Rams can afford to keep John Johnson, uh, the third, okay? Um you talk about another guy that excels in coverage, and that's where my focus has been on all of this. You have to get guys that contribute better and can cover. He is a dominant cover safety. Uh, He is 85.6 coverage grade, ranked fourth best among safeties during the regular season, uh, making him uh, making the third time in four seasons that he was above 84.9. Johnson is PFF's third highest graded safety with a total grade of 85.6. So you're talking about the full package with him and the full package with him, and you're paying for it, probably going to pay, you know, 12 to $14 million a year, for three to four years for either of these guys. Now, the Browns will structure that so they can get out after two years. But either way, you know, they'll get their guaranteed money up front in the first two years. Um, But either way, uh, the next two years are the years that you want to go for it, right? The next two years are the years where Baker money is not on the books yet. So applying this kind of a contract is feasible for the next two years. And if you need to bail on that contract going into Baker, the first year that Baker's money hits, then you can do so. But this times up well in a four-year deal with John Johnson III or Marcus Williams. It'll be structured in a way that there's an out after two years and the guaranteed money will be paid out. And you would have gotten two years out of these guys in their prime. Let's look at their ages, because we know that the Browns look at age of guys. Marcus Williams, twenty-four years old. John Johnson the third, twenty-six years old. Prime safeties to add with Delpa and Harrison. There's Xavier Woods on here. Malik Hooker has been mentioned. Uh, I've seen at some other places. Hooker would be a nice depth piece. Uh, You know, he's only going to command a couple million dollars a year because he's been dinged up and injuries, and his, you know, he tore his Achilles. Um, So, you know, that's he's not going to make a ton of money. This is a prove it year for him. This is where I would say the Browns' plan should lie. You have to get another starting caliber safety. I want one of these two guys. I want Joe Johnson the third or Marcus Williams. I think you should add another safety in free agency. That's right. Two of them. One of these value guys I'm about to show you. And you could throw Malik Hooker in there if you want. But these guys right here are my two guys that you could add as your fourth safety, right? Then you draft a safety. That's safety number five. Okay, now Sheldrick Redwine, who was taking significant snaps for you last year, is all of a sudden your sixth safety in the room, and you've gotten much, much better, and Joe Woods can attack with the scheme that he wants to. Former first-round pick uh, Keanu Neal is going to command somewhere between 3 and $5 million on the open market, in my opinion. Um... He is a more of a box safety, but uh, played in a similar scheme to what the Browns did, a lot of cover three. Um, he is uh, very, very good around the line of scrimmage. In, in the middle of the field, he can cover. Like, he can cover. Like, he does, as it says here, he's very rangy. He can cover those speed routes up near the line of scrimmage. I like Neal a lot as your fourth safety. As a guy that can play a role on maybe, you know, you're in that dime look. Maybe you throw Neal out there on a rundown, right? He can still cover the short stuff, still play with the tight end. He works into some of the sub packages. I like this guy for that role to get on the field some, but be really be there for depth. Love this guy. Joukowsky Tart, San Francisco 49ers, make the connection to Joe Woods, played under Joe Woods, knows the scheme, he's athletic, he's versatile, can play both safety spots, I liked him a lot, I liked him better than these say. my eye test says he's better than that, uh, but Two, two to five million dollars probably on the open mark, two to four, two to five uh, on the open market to add your four safety as a guy is in Jaquiski Jaquiski-Tart. Love his game. would love to see him added to the browns and it makes sense. He knows the scheme, he knows Joe Woods, knows the expectations and he's a damn good player. You bring him in as your force safety gets on the field in certain sub packages. I like that a lot. So now you're looking at a room with one of these top two guys, Williams, Johnson, you can even throw Harris in there maybe, right? One of these guys that you pay somewhere between $12 and $14 million and 14000000 dollars Uh, a year for four years with an out after two years so you can get him off your books before Baker money hits. Now you've got a stud safety to go with Ronnie Harrison and Delpit, and you can really, really, Joe Woods can really get creative with Delpit. Have him all over the field doing all kinds of stuff, throwing different looks at defenses. That's what he wants. He wants diversity on the field. He wants to be able to give different looks. He wants to be able to guard tight ends without having to put linebackers on him. He wants to have guys that can cover better than he had last year, so he is not restricted to playing zone all day. I know Joe Woods is going to play a lot of zone. He's going to play cover three. He's going to play cover four, and that's fine. You have to do that in the NFL. But you also have to challenge guys with man-to-man sometimes. And adding these guys... And Ronnie Harrison and getting Delpit back and adding depth with one of these guys gives you the immediate ability to threaten people with man-to-man. Of course, the corner room is going to need some help, too. But we're talking about safeties now. We're talking about safeties guarding the slot, guarding tight ends, taking away that stuff that has killed the Browns, over-the-middle stuff, for years. Killed them last year. You saw the coverage grades that we were running out there. So, Keanu Neal, Jaqueski Tart. I like Tart better actually for this for this fourth fourth safety role. I think Neal's probably a little bit better of a player, but more of just a box safety. Tart's a little more diverse; can play either spot. So you have him there at depth as a guy that can step in at free or strong. Same thing with Delpit. Same thing with Harrison. Really, kind of same thing with Williams. All of them very diverse, very good cover guys, very good players in general. Then you had a guy in the draft as some sort of a succession plan. As you see, some of the rest of the names on this list: Deron Harmon, Trey Boston, Rashawn Jenkins. There's old uh, Gibson, Gibson uh, Tayshawn Gibson, former Brown. Uh, 30 years old now, Earl Thomas, long in the tooth, Bradley McDougald, uh, you know, 30 years old, wouldn't hate him as a depth piece, played in that cover three Seattle Press bail that Woods runs, Jalen Mills down there uh, is the last guy uh, in their PFF's top 200, last safety in PFF's top 200, he's only 26 years old, but I like the other guys better. Not a lot more money. When you can pay a couple more million dollars a year for these next two years to get a much better player, that makes a ton of sense. These are the two years that you have that room to go for it. So there's my lay it out for you. Carl Joseph, for me, is out the door. He can't cover. You need somebody that can cover. Uh, You're bringing back Ronnie Harrison, you're bringing back Delpit. But you need to give Delpit time, and you need to add a third safety starting caliber to fit into what Joe Woods wants to do. So you add a John Johnson the third, you add a Marcus Williams, maybe even an Anthony Harris. Despite him taking a step back last year, he's still a good player. Pay that money. It's not going to be on the books when Baker money hits. You'll be able to get out after two years. Then you add some depth with a Neal or a Tart. You draft a guy at safety, maybe later in the draft. Now you're going into camp, and your terrible Sheldrick Redwine is the sixth safety on the the, uh, depth chart. That makes a lot of sense to me. I did a fan poll on this as I sent out the PFF grades, so everybody would take a look at this here. Uh, and give me your thoughts on Carl Joseph and people like Carl Joseph 65.6 uh, percent of the fans want to keep him I understand why the guy made big plays the guy played gutsy he's a big hitter Cujo they called him out in Oakland now Las Vegas is with the Raiders uh, I mean I get why you like Carl Joseph but he can't guard a door in coverage and 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 you, that has to improve for the Browns as a whole. You've been listening to All Eyes on Cleveland, watching All Eyes on Cleveland tonight. There's the fan poll. The last thing I wanted to hit on is we've seen going around Twitter a lot are the Browns' guardrails, right? Uh, somebody took a picture of it off the, the desk. Now, this has been going around for a couple of years, but it's back kind of in play because, you know, uh, de Podesta, Right. The, the analytics thoughts here. And one, you know, I went against a couple of these rules, right? And the, the first one, well, didn't, the one I went against was don't pay for depth. Now, I think there's an exception to that. And the exception to that is when you have uh, the depth that you have is terrible. And you need to add multiple pieces to reset that room. And, and there's a question mark around a guy like Delpit, who you expect to clearly be a part of your future, right? You expect him to clearly be a part of your future. But there's no guaranteed timeline for him or how he's going to come off of that injury. And you don't have time to mess around because you're in that we're in that window now, Browns fans. So I think you add that, and it makes sense as well because that's what Woods wants to do, and you appease him by adding that high-level safety, you add a value-level safety for depth. It says don't pay for depth, but you're going to pay for a little bit of depth here, in my opinion. Um, Not too much, though. Um, Key positions, quarterback, cornerback, pass rushers, uh, offensive tackle, uh, quarterback, keep uh, investing. So just a look at the the free agency part of the guardrails here, and that's the one rule I wrote. Age is important. Age is important. Use free agency less and less. Yeah, as we move away from 21 and 22 to Baker's extension, Chubb's extension, potential Wyatt Teller extension, potential Denzel Ward extension, if he can prove that he can stay on the field for 14 games a year, that's all I want, 14. If he can do that, extension, as we move towards that phase of this, you're talking about uh, really having to have a succession plan in place through the draft, and I think Barry will do a great job drafting, and I think you can address a lot of the Browns' defensive issues in the draft, but I do think it needs to be complemented, especially this year and next year, with um, free agents. And in this safety room, without adding two free agents and a guy in the draft, you're in a bad spot or an unknown spot. And in order to do what your defensive coordinator wants to do to be most effective on defense, you need to add another high-level safety. And if you are worried about Delpit at all, and you don't want to be in a situation like last year where red wine's on the field or, or a guy – uh, like, um, Andrew Sandejo takes 999 snaps for you, then you need to add some depth. Three to five million dollars is worth it for me. There it is. That's how I fix our safety room going into 2021. Um, and I think that's how you have to do it. If you want to be a legit contender, and and I feel strongly about that, I feel strongly about that. Um, let's see here. I hope that uh, you guys uh, enjoyed tonight's uh, deep dive into the uh, safety position. I went a little bit longer than I thought. Passionate about that uh, that room and how they can fix it. It all kind of comes together if you, t- if you talk about what Woods wants to do, the guys on the market, the guys coming back. Uh, you've been listening to All Eyes on Cleveland, watching All Eyes on Cleveland. If you're watching, make sure you hit the subscribe button um, and uh, hit the little bell next to it. And make sure it tells you every time we're coming on the air with awesome content. We have a packed schedule next week. Salary cap week. Next week. I've got uh, the guy from Track. I've got uh, all kinds of guys lined up. I've got one on Monday, one on Tuesday, one on Friday. All focused on the salary cap, how it's going to affect the Browns, how it's going to affect teams in general, players in general. Uh, are we going to see one-year deals? Are we going to see mercenaries? Are we going to see guys going after it uh, for one year because they don't want to negotiate their long-term deal? I know if I was coming off my rookie deal, uh, I wouldn't want to go negotiate my long-term deal on the one year. The cap is $20 million lower. I would want to wait till the TV money hits the next year and everybody's flush. The market's going to change from one year to the other. So maybe we see a lot of one-year de- deals this year. We're going to ask the experts next week. We're going to get the answers for you. Uh, this has been All Eyes on Cleveland, a Blue Wire Hustle production. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, the Carl Joseph deep dive, but really fixing the Browns' safety room, making sure that they are competitive enough to take it the distance next year. This is a two year window before that quarterback money hits, before those extensions hit, that you have to take advantage of if you're the Browns. Andrew Barry knows it. I know he knows it. I know they'll be aggressive. I expect this to be a fun free agency, a fun draft period. We'll be with you all the way through it. Here at All Eyes on Cleveland. For Mikey on the ones and twos, a spectacular job tonight. My name is Brad Ward. This has been All Eyes on Cleveland. And with that, we are out.